The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. One of my favorite things listening to Cindy and Ash just share their story of connection and serving and just being known and loved in this place is that is at the heart of who we are as a church. And so today, as we wrap up our series, Becoming, we're going to focus in on just that, becoming more and more like Jesus as we, like Jesus, serve the people around us. And so if you could turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, if you're using the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1,891. Before we jump into the text, though, I want to share with you a note that one mom shared about her experience at faith. And so I just want, want to read this to you. She said this, I want to tell you how much it meant to me that your incredible staff, meaning paid and volunteer, at faith came together and presented this opportunity to me for Ellie to attend VBS. For years, I have been the one advocating for my daughter to be included in various activities, programs, making extra phone calls and jumping through hoops to make sure her needs are met, apologizing for inconveniences, constantly trying not to be a burden to anyone. So when Tanya reached out, to me and said, hey, have you thought about sending Ellie to VBS at Faith this summer? And if so, we already have a buddy selected to accompany her all week, and we're going to offer offer her a scholarship to cover the cost as well. My jaw dropped. I just stared at my phone, and then the tears came. I can't remember another time when someone else wanted to include Ellie in something and already had a plan to accommodate her special needs. I can't describe how loved and accepted that made me feel. The reason that happens is because people like you show up and serve. Because people on you have been changed by the love of Jesus and want other kids and families and neighbors to know about that love of Jesus. And so I want to spend some time in this text of 1 Peter. And what we'll find in 1 Peter is Peter describes the motivation for that kind of love, the very thing that has transformed him that then shapes the way he treats other people and the way he calls us as Christians to live. And so 1 Peter is written by Peter while living in Rome. And so Peter is very familiar with trials and sufferings. He's spent roughly three years doing life and ministry with Jesus, he's the disciple who out of all of them is, is probably the most fiery. He's a bit rash in his decision making. He's ex- incredibly outspoken. Maybe at times could be the spokesperson, but even if he's not the spokesperson, he's still gonna say what he wants. And so that's Peter. But what's really interesting about Peter is out of all the disciples, Peter is probably the most familiar with his own failure. Because it's actually Peter who in Jesus' most difficult moments as Jesus is getting crucified, Peter's the one who can't make good on his promise. Because Peter promised to Jesus that he would never leave him, that he would be there no matter how bad things get. And then the moment that Jesus is is being crucified, Peter says, I don't know the man. But then after following that failure, it's also Peter who, seeing the resurrected Jesus, has another conversation where Jesus reinstates Peter, where Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And looking eye to eye with Jesus, he experiences the grace of God so deeply as Jesus communicates not only his love and forgiveness, but that he's going to continue to do something through Peter that Peter doesn't deserve Jesus to do. See, grace isn't a formula for him. It's personal. He is deeply aware of his own shortcomings, yet he is also so intimately familiar with the grace of God. And it's that grace that then shapes the way that Peter writes what Peter writes. 
It's that grace then that informs the letter that Peter would write to Christians saying, here's what it looks like to love and to give and to serve. Here's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so I wanna spend some time working our way through this text, and we'll start in verse seven, and we'll spend our time working bit by bit through this text. And so in chapter four, verse seven, Peter begins, the end of all things is near. Now let me pause at, at that line just for a second because there's, there's a moment, like when I was reading this text, I stopped right there because it's like, all right, come on. Like seriously, is that the way like we're gonna talk about love and service and giving? Now, and now it's not that I don't believe Jesus is gonna come back. I do believe that Jesus is gonna come back. I just, I'm not sure, like is that really the motivation that Peter wants to have for good behavior? Like is, is Peter really like, all right, my motivation in all of this is you better get your act together because Jesus might come and he might catch you not doing what you're supposed to do. Like is that really the thing that Peter's doing here? Like, and, and, even, and if that is the thing that Peter's doing, like is that really gonna work? Because that might like curb behavior a little bit, but that's not gonna change anybody's heart. So like, what in the world is Peter up to? Why would he say the end of all things is near? Now to better understand why Peter says what Peter says is you have to put this all in the context of the rest of what Peter wrote. And so in the beginning of chapter four, Peter is talking about the, the life of Jesus and, and the, the work of Jesus and the suffering of Jesus. And then in verse three, he makes a very important note about the world he lives in. And so Peter, observing Rome, looking at the community around him, he says this about what he sees. He says, here are how people are choosing to live. They're living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. In other words, he says, just look around at our world and how broken and how lost, how desperate people are, that there are people everywhere you turn who are searching for something, some joy, some peace, some fulfillment, and are looking in every other place than Jesus. Peter could say the same thing today. He could look around and see the levels of anxiety and depression in teenagers and say, look at what is wrong in our world when teenagers are more connected than ever before, but more isolated and anxious and alone than ever before. There's something broken. There's something missing. He could point to the broken families and the hurt and the heartache. He could point to the abuses. He could point to the racial tensions in our culture that even rise to the levels of terrorism. He could point to all of it. He could point to the sexual immorality that you can find on your phone, on your TV, and in your everyday conversations. He could point to all of it and say, there is something broken. There's something missing. And so what Peter understands is the thing that is going to enter into that mess and that brokenness. And the thing that will make an impact in those places, it's not programs or politics or outrage. Peter, in verse 6, describes exactly the thing that it is. And he says this in the NLT. He says, that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. And so he points to the people that he has seen and said they have been headed on a path toward destruction. They were looking for life but headed for death. And that, that is why the good news is preached because those people who are headed for death, Jesus enters into the story and rescues them from death and gives them life. They were headed on a path towards loneliness and Jesus entered in with his presence. They were headed on a path for hurt and lostness and Jesus enters in and he does what no one else can do and he rescues them. That is why Peter then says, the end of all things is near. 
Not because it's about being better. It's because there are a group of people who need to be seen and known and loved. There are a group of people who are so hurting and so, so lost, and they are looking everywhere but Jesus. The end of all things is near. Is So are we aware of the urgency of the mission that's at hand? See, he is not concerned with an urgency to correct bad behavior. He wants an urgency for the mission. He wants an urgency and, and us to pay attention to what God has called us to do in this place. And then he says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. In other words, be alert and be of sound mind and pay attention to what God wants to do through you for the people around you. Pay attention because God is up to something in this place. It's not be careful not to get caught. It's about being mindful of the mission. What God wants for you is God wants you to be mindful of the mission that he has for you, which means just pay attention to this present moment. Don't, don't think about the impact that you might have someday when you're older. Or don't think that once you get to a certain age, you're done doing the work, that the mission is done. No, it's be mindful of this present moment because you're not too young or too old for the mission that God has given you. And so what, what would it look like if we paid attention to right where we were in this moment, mindful of what God wants to do through us? That's why Peter speaks the way he does. Are you mindful of the importance, of the weight, of the urgency of the people who need to hear about the God who sees and knows and loves. See, I don't think the issue is that most of us don't know the what. Like, we know the what. We know we're supposed to serve. We know we're supposed to give. We know we're supposed to care. I think the problem, though, is most of the time it's just easier to pay attention to those things and not to the actual people. It's easier to be more mindful of the to-do list, the newsfeed, the job promotion, even spiritually. It's, it's easier to pay, pay more attention to the spiritual tasks and accomplishments and things we need to get done than to actually pay attention to the person who's sitting next to us. There was a recent Harvard study that was done, and they surveyed a number of students. And so their desire was to figure out of what is actually important, what are the kids paying most attention to. And so they asked the question, what is more important? Is it achievements in school or being a kind and, and compassionate person? 80% of the kids surveyed said their achievements were, were more important. They also asked the kids what was more important to their parents. The, parent, the, the kids referencing what their parents have taught them was the same. 80% of kids believe that to their parents, more important to them was their achievements than them being a kind and caring person. Now, the irony is if you were to talk to the parents, what do you think the parents would say? Well, no, we care about being, being kind and compassionate, about teaching our kids to love another person. But what did the kids do? The kids paid attention. The kids paid attention to what the things that were, that were actually talked about. And so the, the parents might say they cared about raising kind and compassionate kids, but the conversation that happened was the grades. The conversation that happened was the C on the report card. The conversation was happened about how many touchdowns were scored in the game. The conversation was all about achievements. And so they said they wanted to care ab about being a kind and caring person, but all they talked about was their achievements, and they never taught their kid to see another person. See, maybe for many of us, we say we care about caring, but maybe we forget to pay attention to the people. To be mindful of the people in our life, we often pay attention to the wrong things. Now, the same study also did a little bit of playground research in order to figure out what's the difference then with the kids who are kind 
with the kids who don't respond by ignoring or running away from the kid who's hurting, but the kid who shows up and helps. And so what they discovered is they observed these parents, and most parents would actually have their kids apologize. There was no difference in a kid being kind or compassionate with whether or not they actually apologized to another kid. That had zero impact in whether or not they were actually a kind and compassionate kid. See, what they discovered is when they would watch that if the parent who walked their kid over dragged them by the hand and said, say you're sorry, that kid would say sorry, and they would go back to whatever they were doing. But some kids who, when their parents weren't around and they demonstrated kindness, those were the kids who their parents, when they brought them over, didn't say, say, all right, just say you're sorry. They taught them to see the other kid. Those parents taught their kid to see the tears, to see the hurt. And so those kids then, when their parents weren't around, they learned how to see another person, to be more mindful of the person in that moment. See, I think for many of us, we have been taught what to do, but we haven't been taught how to see, how to see what God sees We haven't been shown a way to see what Jesus sees and who Jesus sees for our hearts to break for the things that break the heart of God. See, being mindful in the moment happens when you begin to see what Jesus sees, when you begin to see yourself the way that Jesus sees you, and when you begin to see another person the way that Jesus sees them. Now, the challenge with both of those is that there is often a gap, a gap between who I am and who God has called me to. And so the question is, how do we mind that gap? How are we mindful of the gap between us and them? How do we pay attention to who we are and how we've been gifted and how do we pay attention to who God has called us to? And so on one hand, it begins when we better understand who we are. We understand how we've been created, how we've been knit together, the things we like, the things we don't like, our interests, our experiences, our passions, our gifts. It also comes when we better understand our own failures, our own shortcomings, when we are more intimately aware of the grace of God and what it has done for us. Because as Jesus then shows us who we are and how he sees us, we can better then be the people that God created us to be in the places that God has placed us. Now, one of the challenges for many of us is we have trouble actually seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. In fact, one of the biggest things that we have often heard in student ministry for small group leaders, uh, we've had so many small group leaders who say, you know what, I just don't know if I know the Bible well enough to be a small group leader. And do you know who some of our best small group leaders have been? The ones who didn't know the Bible well enough to be a small group leader. Because for them, they saw themselves and said, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have what it takes. But, here, but here's the thing that they didn't realize is the kids weren't looking for somebody who had all the answers to their Bible questions. They were looking for somebody who would show up and be present in their life and that would be willing to discover the answers with them. And when you and I begin to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us, it transforms us and it also then shapes the way we see another person. And so we see another person as somebody who is created in the image of God, somebody who is loved and known by God. We see their hurts and we see their brokenness and our heart begins to break for what breaks their heart. And so Jesus begins to open our eyes, not to see people as a project or an opportunity for us to feel better about ourselves, but as somebody who God has called us to. And then that gap becomes closer and closer as God works through us. Frederick Buchner, who is a writer and a minister, he described God's calling by saying, the place that God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness in the world's deep hunger meet. That there is a place where, you're, where who you are meets with the world's need and we see those things fall into line. Now, there are places where you have deep gladness and there is no deep need. 
that's just called a hobby. And then there are also places where there is deep need, but you have no ability to actually meet that need. And so you might support that, or you might pray for that, or you might be there, but that might not actually be your calling. But then there are the moments where it all falls into line, where you can be who God created you to be, and it changes the life of another person. And so then Peter then talking about what it looks like to be mindful of this mission and then to live that out. In verse 8, he continues and said, now here is the place where it all starts. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And what's incredible about this, he's referencing all the sins he just talked about. He's referencing all the brokenness that everybody is so aware of. He says that that love that you have for another person, it covers over all of it. It covers over all the guilt and the shame. It covers over all the evil and the brokenness that loving another person deeply a person who doesn't deserve it, a person who doesn't want it, a person who doesn't expect it, that covers over sin, just love. Because when you love deeply, it speaks of the love of God. I recently texted a friend of mine who wants nothing to do with Christianity or religion or Jesus because of some of her experience with Christians. And I'm a little hesitant to share um, this as, as an example because I don't, I don't want to come across as the person who like does it all right because I just kind of stumbled into this one. Um, but God put on my heart the, to, the desire to pray for her and for whatever reason I said, you know what, I'm going to tell her. I said, hey, I'm praying for you. What can I be praying for? And she responded to me with several text messages about what was going on in her life. But then there was one line that said, when I hear from you, it reinforces my belief in a higher power. See, most of the time I'm going about my daily life and I'm not paying attention to those, those moments where God's saying, hey, pray for this person. Think about this person. And, and this is easy. You could do this right now. You could take out your phone and text somebody and say, hey, God put you on my heart. I'm praying for you. And God, and God works through that because when we love another person deeply, it covers over the sin and the brokenness. See, we don't need people who correct more rightly or debate more passionately. We need to be a church that loves deeply. That's what Paul in Philippians describes about Jesus when he says about Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus, who had all the rights to correct. Jesus, who had all the right to take on the authority and the power. Jesus, who had all the right to say, all right, everybody come serve me, give to me. Jesus took the nature of a servant. He laid it all aside. He sacrificed it all to serve, to love in such a way that it would cover over every sin. And so then as Peter talks about this love for others, he then gets a little bit more specific and says in verse 9, now offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, which I love that he, all, that he notes that here, because he could just say offer hospitality, but it's like he's being honest. Offer hospitality and some people aren't going to appreciate you. Offer hospitality, and, and it's going to be a lot of work. You might not always like doing it, but offer hospitality without grumbling. This is a part of how you love to show hospitality to a person. Welcome a person. And then he continues, each one should use whatever gift he has received, which means it's all of us, whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And I, I love the way he says it there. Whatever gift use it, and you are administering God's grace. Jesus gives his gifts to you 
so that you can deliver the goods of Jesus. As you use your gifts to serve, to love, Jesus is doing a work through you that maybe you didn't even think was possible. Then he continues. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. When you serve, watch what God wants to do through you. Serve and watch what God wants to do. And whatever the gifts, and whatever the opportunities, as you serve, God does something that maybe you couldn't do, but he chooses to do it through you. And so if you speak, you should speak. But realize that when you speak, it's more than just speaking. They're not just words that you say. When a small group leader says to a kid that God has a plan for your life, those aren't just words on a page. Those are the very words of God that God chooses to speak through another person to the life of a kid that can help them dream and imagine a future that God actually cares about. When a teenager calls you and says, I need somebody to talk to, and you answer the phone, those aren't just words that are picking up the phone. Those are the very words of God that tells a teenager that I care, and by you saying you care, it proves to a teenager that they might even have a God who cares. When somebody opens up to you about their struggle with sin, and maybe it's a sin that they're hiding that they don't want anybody to ever find out about, and maybe in the moment when they finally feel safe enough to share with you the thing that they're struggling with, do you realize that the words you speak are the very words of God to that person? That the way that they might view the, way the church having responded to their sin or the way that they might see Jesus responding to their sin is the very way, way they hear the words that you speak to them in that moment. Your words are more than just words. And so he says, when you speak, speak, but doing it as though you're speaking the words of God. And when you serve, serve. Now, when he says serve, he's really dividing up. There are speaking gifts, there are doing gifts. There are speaking gifts, the doing gifts, and there's some that are a combination of both of those. And so when you serve, what he wants to point out is, is it's not all about your own strength. It's not all about your capacity. There might be times when you feel like you don't have it in you, yet God is going to do something in you that you didn't think possible. So he says, don't rely on your own strength. Rely on the strength of God. Maybe for you, you never dreamed it possible that you would be the kind of person who would go on a mission trip because you don't have the strength, you don't have the capacity, you don't have the ability to do something like that. But, but let, let me tell you, serve and watch what God will do through you because it might not be about your strength to be there and show up, but maybe in that moment, God would do something that you couldn't imagine. Maybe for you, you never thought you had the strength to show up for that family, that family who was hurting and suffering. And he said, I, don't, I can't be the person who will be strong for them in that moment. And maybe what Jesus is saying to you is, I'm not asking you to be strong for them. I'm asking you to be present. Because maybe in that moment, it's Jesus' strength that gets them through, and you just happen to be the one who's delivering the strength of Jesus. See, your words are more than just words, and your service isn't based on your strength. And so when you serve, watch what God will do, because it will be far greater than you could imagine. Now, that, that note from the mom that we shared at the beginning of the service, I want to share a little bit more about that, because God was up to something big in the life of that family, but in so many else during the week of VBS. And so during VBS, 
we were actually able to try a volunteer position, which is what this mom referenced, having a buddy for her daughter, Ellie, and how that impacted them. Now, that volunteer position actually came out of some conversations with another incredible volunteer, Judy, who helped us think about some of the ways that we can better serve special needs families. And so one of the ideas um, was what are the questions we can ask a family to better care for them, but then also how could we have a buddy for individuals so that we can integrate them into the whole life of of an experience like VBS? How can we make sure a kid um, who it might be challenging for, how can they feel a part of the whole Experience And so we were able to do this. Tanya was able to extend an invitation um, about this opportunity. Donna Farrell was actually volunteered to be a buddy that week. Now, what's incredible about this, Donna did not have any experience working with kids who had autism, um, but she decided she was going to sign up in anyways. And in her mind, she came to the simple conclusion, if at the end of the day, Ellie's mom gets a break for five days of EBS, then it's a win. Because Ellie's mom is an incredible mom, a, a superhero mom, and, and raising her daughter with special needs and having to always advocate for her daughter, that can be incredibly challenging. And so if for five days we could give her a break, that would be a win. But there was so much more than just that. Ellie jumped in immediately full of joy and wonder that was contagious for everybody who watched. She, she came in excited and dancing and full of energy. Donna described it as having her hooked from day one. And the kids love the way that Peter describes this loving another person deeply. They, they, they let Ellie, as she was exploring, they would let her play, play with their wild and crazy hair. They would let her touch their costumes. Ellie would dance her way through, through the worship center during the music, and she knew every motion to every song. She would also work her way up on stage with the volunteers who were leading all the songs and slowly explore her way around everything on the stage, just full of joy and wonders, consuming all of it. On one of the days, Ellie ended up climbing up to the top of one of our giant water slides, um, and, and, in this, and it, was a hu- it was a huge slide. And so as she climbs up to the top, she's ready to go down, and, and as she came down, all of the kids around were cheering and chanting her name. Ellie's mom just today told me that, that she watches that video over and over and over again. And it's this moment that as, as Donna's able to share that with Ellie's mom, as Ellie's mom's able to be filled with the joy for her daughter, as Ellie continues to watch that video over and over, somehow in the midst of all of this, there were 450 kids at VBS, but somehow in that massive crowd, Ellie was known, Ellie was loved, and Ellie was seen. On day four, Ellie shared with her mom that Jesus was her rescuer. That after hearing, the, after hearing the story of Pentecost and the work of the Holy Spirit when she went home, that was the message she had to share with her mom that she learned that day, that Jesus rescued her. One of the most incredible things that, that surprised all of us is what, what Ellie took in during our missions rotation. And so as Ellie went to our missions rotation, um, she took in far more than any of us even thought was possible. This year, we, we did something a little bit new that we haven't done. And so during our mission rotation, our desire was to introduce kids to a mission opportunity, a way that they could serve other kids and families, that we could help raise awareness. And so this year... We spent our time focusing on congenital heart disease and so talked about kids and families who are experiencing CHD. We did different projects to be able to, so that we could deliver some crafts that could be completed at the Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor. And so on day one, Christina Schutz told the story of her baby girl, Sylvia. Now, Sylvia is the reason why CHD was our mission rotation. See, this year would have been Sylvia's first year of VBS, 
And so Sylvia is a very special girl um, to our faith family. And so in order to honor Sylvia's legacy and also to honor and encourage families who, who have gone through similar things that Christina and Evan and their entire family have gone through, we thought, all right, maybe we can tell the story and maybe we can use that story also to highlight and raise awareness and help some other families. And so Christina, on day one, shared her story of Sylvia. And little did any of us know that as Ellie explored her way around the chapel, and she was looking at the stained glass windows, naming and touching all the, all the colors, and somehow in the midst of that, she was also absorbing the story. And so when she went home and told her mom about baby Sylvia and that, that she wanted to pick out a book for baby Sylvia, little did any of us know that that she even understood anything about what was going on. So Donna was able to hear this story from Ellie's mom at pickup on one of the days, and there were, everyone was surprised, Ellie's mom, Donna. And then in that moment, an incredible thing happened. Lillian walks up, who is baby Sylvia's big sister. And so she has no idea, but she walks up and wants to introduce herself to Ellie. And then also not knowing the conversation that's happening about Sylvia, Christina, Sylvia's mom, walks up in that moment. Donna described what she saw and said she watched these two beautiful girls, these two incredibly amazing moms. It was as if they understood each other without having to use words to explain any of it. Love, fears, losses, celebrations, precious gifts, moments. And so in the midst of all of it, Ellie wants to share the book she picked out. And so Ellie picked out to share a book called Wherever You Are, My Love Will Find You. Christina would read that book to Sylvia and bawl every time she read that book. And she hasn't read it since Sylvia passed away. And somehow in that moment, God chose to show up through a little girl handing over a gift to a mom who is so hurting. See, there's no way that kind of moment can be orchestrated. There's no possible to explain that moment but through God. A moment that Christina described was God revealed himself to us in a way that was so physical. She said she was reminded that we serve a God who transcends all barriers that we as humans think are impossible to overcome. So that story can't happen but through God. There's no way a vision or a strategy or a team of volunteers can produce that kind of moment. Yet what's also amazing to me is that moment couldn't have happened with all of the people God chose to work through in that story. That moment wouldn't have happened without Judy, who helped us think about this buddy position. That moment wouldn't have happened without Tanya, who extended an invitation. That moment wouldn't have happened without Donna, who was the buddy that day. That moment wouldn't have happened with all of the kids who cheered and knew and loved Ellie. That moment wouldn't have happened without Ellie, who shared with Christina. And that moment wouldn't have happened without Christina, who shared with Ellie. And so this moment that God chose to show up in couldn't have happened without the people that God chose to work through in that moment. When you see what God does through you, it will magnify the power of God's grace. 
And you will see a God who shows up in bigger ways than you thought was possible. And you will see a God who delivers gifts that are far more powerful and far more incredible than you ever thought. Gifts that in a moment when maybe you thought it was just showing up to help some kids or a moment that you thought it was maybe just giving a mom a break, who would have known that in that moment God was delivering a message, saying what it says in the book that Ellie gave to Christina, that God was sending a message that says, there's no place, not one, that my love can't find you. See, the love of Jesus chooses to show up in some incredible ways, and when we serve, we get a chance to watch the love of Jesus show up in the life of other people. And when we get to witness to that, we often can find that we thought we were showing up to serve and God was doing far more than we ever thought was possible. I wanna pray for us and we'll have an opportunity to respond. Jesus, thank you so much for being a God who loves, a God who gives so generously to us. Thank you for a glimpse of the incredible work that you have done, uh, an example of you showing up in incredible and powerful ways that we couldn't fathom, that we couldn't orchestrate, that can only be your work. Jesus, thank you for all the incredible people who made that moment happen, but not just that moment. Thank you for all the incredible people who serve, who love, who use their gifts to change the life of other people. Jesus, as we try to be mindful of our own lives and the mission that you've given us, God, I just pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us the places that you've called us, that you would remind us of our gifts, that you would show us who we are, that you would show us where you want us to serve, that as we continue to invest in the places that we serve in, as some of us start serving in new ways that we haven't started before, as some of us begin to think about serving in a way we never thought before, Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to us and show us what you can do through us that we never thought possible. Jesus, we thank you for the gifts that you give to us and the gifts that you give through us. In your name we pray, amen.